Today's Your Stories is brought to you by Jackbox Games. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. Thanks, Jackbox. Your Stories is a wonderful opportunity to share all the highs and lows of being a nerd. You know that hobby you have that you don't talk to anyone about? It's a secret you don't like to share because it might make you feel weird. Maybe you're into something different. Uh, comic books, fantasy football, push-ups. Your Stories, to me, has been this really kind and welcoming space where people just have the guts to be really honest and they share their voices and their stories with everyone there, no questions asked. Uh, I've heard stories about all those things. Uh, maybe not not a lot of push-ups. I maybe haven't heard a lot of stories about push-ups. The Nerdalogs is group therapy meets Toastmasters. I know there's always a place where my odd thoughts and unusual habits will be welcomed and championed in a warm, supportive environment by other nerds just like me. And what's fun is you'll see people in the audience one month, and then all of a sudden they uh, go up and tell their story. So your story becomes their story, and their story is your story, and then it's our story, and then it's a podcast, so it's everybody's story, and then you've shared it, and gosh, that's great, huh? And even if you don't think you're a nerd, you probably are. It's easily the most Midwestern thing I've ever been a part of. Hi everyone, I'm Eric Garneau, and this is part one of a seasonally appropriate episode of the Nerdalogs Presents Your Stories podcast, featuring the theme, Horror Stories. We're getting spooky with some of our favorite storytellers. This episode, you'll hear from performers Andrew Bentley and Alex Young, Chicago Loot Drop founder and avid gamer Mike Chuck Bretzliff, and best-selling horror novelist Tyler Patterson. You'll also get music, and a little bit of comedy this time, from myself, Claire Friedman, Dwight Hassler, and Jim Snedeker. Uh, guys, Your Stories has a lot of really cool stuff coming up in the next few months. Uh, details on everything will be revealed soon, but for now, let me tell you uh, a little bit of the outline. So we're doing a show at the inaugural Chicago Podcast Festival on Friday, November 18th at the Steppenwolf Theater, which is, god, that's really cool. Um, then we've got a special show that Sunday at the Sum Office Theater, our normal haunt, that is November 20th. I'll tell you about that soon. And then we're doing a very cool fifth anniversary show in December at the Hideout. That'll be Saturday, December 17th, and we'll release details on that again uh, soon, but it's going to be incredible, so please save that date if you like this show. Uh, before we get to this episode, I want to again thank our sponsors for this week, Jackbox Games, and thanks, of course, to the wonderful Chicago Podcast Co-op for making that sponsorship happen. Uh, to learn more about the co-op and help support them, especially if you happen to be a local business owner, which I don't maybe, yeah, uh, go to www.chicagopodcastcoop.com. If you'd like to support us, you can help us a ton by rating and reviewing our show on iTunes. We would love you forever for that. Uh, if you really like us, you can also head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash and toss us some bones there. There's something in that for you as well. Uh, whatever you do, thanks so much for listening today, and let's enjoy some spookiness. <laughs>
We have nine, no, eight wonderful storytellers tonight, and then you also have me. I'm going to kick things off tonight. Uh, so like I said, I'm in the Nerdalogs. Uh, we've been working on a new show uh, that all the next guy you're going to see up here also uh, will be a part of, kind of. I think, Andrew, you know about that, right? Uh, that thing we're doing in November. So this is the thing that I wrote for that show. At least Chris knows about it. So this is a piece that I wrote for that show, and uh, I don't think we're going to do it in that show, but I liked it. It kind of fit the mood tonight, so... I'm gonna open up with uh, with this guy. Um, so if if you are willing, I want to rap at you all about movie trailers for a minute. All right. I don't know if you noticed, but for the past ten years or so, the cool thing to do in trailers has been the bwomp sound effect. You know the one, the one that sounds like the beat's about to drop in some hot EDM raver. Uh, but you know what? I think I think the times they are a changing. To quote uh, Nobel Prize winning Bob Dylan. We're on the cusp of a new cool thing, and that thing is women singing forlorn covers of rock songs. <laughs> if you don't believe me, just look at the evidence. I think it started with Social Network, even though that was acquired technically, but who can forget that really creepy version of Radiohead's Creep? Uh, earlier this year, there was that weird cover of Heroes and the trailer for the horribly named uh, Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk. And just last week, actually, if anyone saw the new Power Rangers teaser, it had this really sad version of I Walk the Line in it. Uh, what I'm saying is I smell a marketing gimmick and I'm ready to capitalize. So with Claire's help here, Claire, will you help me with this, please? Yes, I will. Thank, thank you, Claire. Uh, here's what I'm saying, everybody. You should let Claire and I score your movie trailer. Not the movie itself. That's really hard work and I don't know how to do that. Just the trailer. If you give us the rough cut of a preview, we will put a sad cover of a rock song over it. It will be creepy and forlorn and weary and just everything you want people to think before they go see your movie. So here's just a little taste of what we can do. Let's give them the semi-sonic, Claire. Closing time. Open all the doors and let you out in so creepy. Closing time. Turn the lights up over every boy and every girl. <laughs> Closing time. One last call for alcohol. So finish your whiskey or beer. Closing you don't have to go home, but you can stay here. And then the dramatic pause, and then... I know who I want to take me home! I know who I want to take me home! I know who I want Take me home. 
Fantastic, right? It's so spooky! It's so spooky! But maybe, maybe so you're like, spooky. oh, that's too spooky. Maybe you want something a little more too upbeat. For me. Or formerly upbeat, exactly. Well, we have got you covered. Especially if you want like a younger. Yeah. Like a, yeah, yeah, like closing time was like, like even in the 90s, it was kind of like adult appropriate rock. We're going to be a little edgier, yeah. you know what I mean? Edgier. Yeah. No time to search the world around. Because you know where I'll be found when I come around. I think like a kid, like a kid could do that. Or me as a kid. <laughs> it's just so forlorn and moody. Yeah. I mean, that could really fit in any kind of movie. Like a movie about a girl on a train. Or a movie about a girl with a dragon tattoo. Or even a movie about a girl who was gone. <laughs> We're going to give you just one more to sit on. Because really, I think, the if you really want something iconic and classic, you know, that gets a bigger impression. So we're going to go all the way back to songs that are in the public domain. Because mm -hmm. really, what says iconic better than a song that is just ingrained into our psyche, but in a new, twisted, and cool way? Well, Captain. I think we made Very our case. Spooky. We'll just be waiting up here for you guys to throw call money. all the producers. Yeah, just so, throw money. Yeah, so just waiting. I think we we don't <laughs> have to go home, but we can't stay here. We don't have to go home, but we can't stay here, guys. Thank you, Claire. Thank you all for tolerating that silly bullshit. Maybe another audience will see that one day. We'll see. For now, we actually have real storytellers. And coming first to the stage, uh, a pro of this show, uh, a former Nerdalogs member, currently in Rabbit Rabbit, one of my favorite people, Mr. Andrew Bentley. Yeah! Daisy, Daisy, give me your answer, do. I'm half crazy, oh, for the love of you. It won't be a fancy marriage, I can't afford a carriage, but you'd look sweet upon the seat of a bicycle built for two. I think uh, most of us are familiar with that song, thanks to Stanley Kubrick, if nothing else. Uh, but what you, you may not know is there's a follow-up verse. It goes, <clears throat> Andrew, Andrew, here is my answer true. I'd be crazy were I in love with you. There won't be any marriage if you can't afford a carriage. Cause I'll be damned if I'll be crammed on a bicycle built for two. That uh, suspiciously specific refrain was taught to me when I was maybe nine years old by my grandma Edie. Uh, it was conveyed in private, conspiratorially, with a knowing wink, and with the same softness my grandmother used for everything, even her scolding. I was old enough to recognize it as a sign of trust and fondness, 
not yet old enough to realize how uncharacteristic the profanity was for Edith Gasper, nay Dobbinspeck, nay Weshi. Uh, my grandmother was a, a gentle but strong woman. She reared three children, divorced her husband in a decade when that was still far from routine, and bore the resentment of her second husband's family with stoic grace. She was a, a dry wit, a lover of sly, sideways glances, and of innuendo, provided things didn't get too racy. She taught me that song, I think, because she knew intuitively that I was like her, uh, a devil with a pen doodling mustaches on all the grim portraits of the world. Even her belongings were special. They, they were not the usual alienating artifacts of the adult world. There was nothing utilitarian. They had a familiarity and a vibrancy to them. They were funny and artful and shy, and somehow, when I was in her home, they almost felt like they were mine. Of all my relatives, she always seemed the most like who I would become, and now she is the one I am most afraid of becoming. So much of what terrifies us is the transformation of ourselves. From Kafka to Cronenberg, body horror has long served as metaphor for unwelcome changes in our minds and bodies, but... So often, for the sake of narrative convention, these changes are sudden and tumultuous. They erupt violently, and though they may not always resolve well, they resolve. My grandmother is still alive, living with dementia in a facility mercifully near her children. I have only been to visit her a few times. I have the excuse of distance, but really, I am afraid. Not of her, though she yells now and curses like an entirely different person, no, my fear is the trite, selfish fear of the future and the unknown deprivations which await us there. My fear is that she will say or be something that I cannot respond to, that she won't recognize me this visit. My fear is that I don't, or can't, love her anymore. I know I'm not alone. Uh, the World Health Organization estimated that in 2005, 0.38% of people worldwide had dementia, and that the prevalence would increase to 0.44 in 2015 and to 0.56 in 2030. And the disease seems custom-made to inspire fear. It takes those closest to us and most vulnerable and parades them through a litany of our cultural monsters, the demo demon demonic possessor, the changeling, the lost spirit, and the living dead. And with all the knowledge that the seed of it, unknowable, may already dwell within ourselves. I'm willing to bet no one here had ever heard that second verse of Daisy before. For all I know, she made it up. And I'll never know now how many other pearls of strange and esoteric doggerel were lost without being shared. To the outsider, our generation seems self-obsessed, committed slavishly to self-documentation, codifying every errant thought to the public record. But who can blame us when, everywhere we look, the foundations which once seemed unassailable crumble without fanfare into entropy? My grandmother could grasp what had become of her, she would be horrified. I hope she would understand my fear, like she always understood so many other things about me. I've tried to write her letters, but I can't. I don't know what to say. Do I write to the woman she once was, even if that woman no longer exists? Or to who she is now, even though I can't help but resent her for replacing my grandmother? If I write to her honestly, my letter will bring nothing but pain. To ignore what things are, though, to pretend nothing has changed, that would only be a different sort of pain. With her jokes and secrets, my grandmother was the first person to make me feel like an adult, and I refuse now to treat her like a child. So I'll visit her again, whenever I can, and I'll repeat myself and gently remind her that I am not Mike, but Andrew, and I will hug her hello and goodbye, and I will hope that even if she is often lost 
and angry and confused and lonely, that she is never afraid. And even if I am too afraid to love her now, I will love her when it is over. And if I teach my children Daisy, I'll teach them that it has two verses. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much for sharing that, man. That was wonderful. Uh, we're going to keep going with another veteran of the show, another wonderful guy. Does really good stuff in Chicago as part of the organization Chicago Loot Drop, actually one of its founders. Uh, their next fundraiser is a thing called Press Start to Drink that he's going to tell you about. This is Mike Chuck Bretzleff. Yeah! Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Mike Chuck. And actually, Press Start to Drink, uh, this is our third time doing this. And the first time we did it, um, I came and promoted it at my very first Door Stories, November 2012. Long time ago. Long time ago. Um, so, Chicago Loot Trap. We are a local charity, and we try to bring together all the geeks and the gamers and the nerds of Chicagoland to do some good. Uh, we do service projects around the city, as well as fundraisers for University of Chicago Comer Children's Hospital to buy books, toys, and games for the kids there um, to play with during their stay. That's something that the hospital does not have and their budgets, it all has to be provided by um, donors. And so, uh, like I said, Press Start to Drink, that's our event coming up. It's our seventh annual holiday fundraiser. So the November 2012 thing is crazy. The seventh annual holiday fundraiser thing is blowing my mind even more. Um, and so Press Start to Drink is a brew and view double feature of Tron and The Last Starfighter. Um, all of our events are very uh, geeky and nerdy themed. And so the theme here is movies where video games and real life collide. If you don't know what that means in relation to this movie, that's great. Come and check it out and you'll find out how that works. It's 2 o'clock Saturday, November 5th um, at the Public House Theater. It's a $15 donation. We're a 501c3, so you can put all in your taxes. Um, and... <laughs> We will be starting uh, Starfighter at 2, Tron at 4, day drinking and having a great time. If you want to get there early at noon, uh, Bonus Round Games Cafe is going to be in a side theater uh, teaching and running board games throughout the entire event. So they'll start at noon, but also be going through the movies if you want to do that. So coming out, it's going to be a great time, and uh, it's like the easiest good eat ever. You're just going to like watch movies and drink beer, and why not? <laughs> so... All right, I don't actually have a scary story for you. Um, I mean, my, currently my bathroom actually looks like um, a, a, a somebody died via drowning and is like it's a drowned ghost haunting my bathroom. Um, there was a leak in the apartment above me, and so I had water coming on the walls, out of the door frame, out of the outlets. And then yesterday morning, the terrifying climax, the ceiling collapsed and woke me up. It was <laughs> it's been fun. Um, so that's, that's, that's the closest thing to a scary story I guess I have. Uh, but since Chicago Loot Trap, uh, we do a lot of video game themed events. I thought I'd tell you about video games that have scared the shit out of me. And the first is Thief. Uh, this is my favorite game of all time. I have a font from it tattooed on my person. Uh, whenever possible, I turn every game into Thief. So for me in Skyrim, I was basically just a kitty cat thief. Um, so in Thief, you can probably guess, you play a thief. Uh, the creators thought really long and hard on the title, 
Great job, creative. Uh, the game is in first person, so you know what that means. It, it means that it's like looking through the character's eyes. Um, the character's eyes are your eyes if your eyes were a tiny little CRT monitor. Um, and the big thing that made Thief different is that you're much weaker than your enemies. Unlike a game like Doom or Gears of War, where you're some indestructible space marine dude bro. Um, in this case, though, um, you have to sneak around everywhere because everybody can kill you. Um, just hiding in the shadows from a guard that spotted you as they creep closer and closer to your very vulnerable and kind of dumb hiding spot that you picked um, can be quite tense and terrifying because... If he finds you, you are going to die. And the most terrifying moment happens in a haunted cathedral. You're sent there to retrieve this magical bejeweled eye artifact. Um, and there are two super fun things about this level. One, the eye whispers in your head the entire time. <laughs> Find me. Claim me. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Number two, it's protected by these red-robed skeleton monsters called haunts and when they spot you they sprint so fast you don't have time to actually react not that you could because you're frozen in place because their shriek is worse than that of the nazgul i died before i knew what was going on it scared the shit out of me best level ever (laughs) now imagine if that level was an entire game and you have the basic idea for alien isolation. Uh, excuse me. Yeah, alien isolation. Uh, this game made me cry. <laughs> and spoiler, you now know how this story ends. Once again, first person. So everything that happens is right in your face. You're weaker than everybody, including some really creepy androids. Plus, there's a super, once again, there's a super fast, super strong enemy that means instant death if they see you, just like the haunts. But in this case, it's the Xenomorph. You play Ripley's daughter, uh, and you're trying to escape a space station while being pursued by the alien. Um, and the creators did a really great job at making it smart. And a total asshole. Um, there was 20 minutes in this game where I was struggling to advance very far without dying. And as, we re- as I reloaded again and again, there were so many instances where I came so close to being caught. Um, hearing the alien behind me, but getting under a table right before it can see me. Um, hiding in a locker as the alien is like looking inside the vent, pressing myself to the back so hopefully it won't see me. My heart is just pounding the entire time. And yeah, there is a button in this game to make yourself smaller inside of a locker. (laughs) Why not? It saved my life several times. All right. Uh, Then there's times where I got completely caught. Opening a door and instant death via pouncing and chomping from not just one large mouth, but a second smaller mouth inside the first. It's scary in the movie. It's absolutely horrifying when it happens to you in your face in the game. Sometimes I wouldn't even see it. I'd just hear pounding footsteps running up from behind me. Not even looking back, I would just take off sprinting, only to have a sharp tail explode through my chest. (laughs) So after 20 minutes of just being on high alert, trying to escape being hunted, I make it to an area I had to crawl through. It's filled with smoke, creepy red light, and crates. Crates are everywhere in the game. But it's fine, and I even relax for a moment because spaces that require crawling have thus far been safe in the game. (laughs) 
That was the thought that went through my head. The immediate next one was, oh, shit, as the alien dropped down from a vent in the ceiling directly in front of me. I panic and get lost, fleeing into the smoke in the crates, not sure if it saw me, and eventually trapping myself in a dead hen. I yelled to my empty apartment, why don't you just leave me alone? <laughs> and it is then that... A single, solitary tear just drips down my cheek. <laughs> Best game ever. <laughs> Thank you. Guys, everyone, please support Chicago Loop Drop. Please check out Press Start to Drink. That game sounds awesome. What is it called? Alien? Alien Isolation. Alien Isolation. God, that sounds really cool. I, I've never been that scared by a video game, but I will say, and I think, Jim, we had a, we talked about this way back in the Marian Catholic days. When I was playing GoldenEye, like, every day, it gave me an intense fear of security cameras. Like, any time I saw one, I'm like, well, shit, the jig's up. They're all coming for me. But they haven't yet. Fingers crossed. Coming up next to the stage, we have a wonderful Chicago performer, Alex Young. me um my uh horror story is actually uh just my relationship with this movie um i <laughs> brought in my own personal vhs copy of halloween 3 season of the witch um <laughs> this uh the tagline of the movie is uh the night no one comes home and that actually tells you nothing about this movie it's <laughs> I've watched it so many times, and it doesn't make any sense. I've watched almost every uh, horror franchise you can think of, like Hellraiser, uh, Friday the 13th. Um, I've certainly watched all the Halloween movies, but this is the only one, this is the only film of a franchise that actually departs, like, so far from the franchise. It doesn't make any sense. Um Michael Myers is not in this movie. Uh, he appears briefly in a commercial that somebody's watching. So um, I'm just going to... But the thing is, I figured it out. I figured out the link between this movie and the Halloween franchise. But first, I'm just going to summarize this uh, wonderful film for you. So um, there's an alcoholic father played by Tom Atkinson who uh, is also like a doctor and he like is separating from his wife so he spends uh, most of his nights like sleeping at the hospital and this uh, crazed man comes in and he's like freaked out and he's clutching a mask and so you know they just uh, give him a sedative and leave him alone in a room. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this like guy in a suit very business-looking guy comes in with rubber gloves and uh, attacks the guy by squeezing his nose out of his face, like with like superhuman strength, and it's like really disgusting, blood everywhere. And then we uh, see Tom Atkinson like run uh, after this guy, and we see the business guy pouring gasoline over himself in the driver's seat of the car and sets himself on fire, and of course the car explodes. Uh, immediately, because that's that's what happens when cars catch on fire. So uh, the the daughter uh, of this guy who mysteriously died, uh, like visits and needs to figure out what happened to her dad. So the doctor and this girl go on an adventure to this town where the masks come from, uh, the Silver Shamrock Factory, which uh, makes all these kids Halloween masks, and there's this really annoying commercial that promotes them. It goes, eight more days till Halloween, Halloween, and, like, relentlessly through the movie. 
so uh, it's it's a very creepy town. It's a company town. Everybody acts really weird. Apparently, everybody's from Ireland and uh, works in this factory. And then you go through. They go on a tour through the factory and everything. And of course, uh, the doctor and this girl hook up. And meanwhile, that's happening. Some other lady figures out that like a the disc fell off of a mask, and so she's picking at it with a bobby pin. And the laser shoots out, hits her face. A bug crawls out. You know. <laughs> Totally regular, and uh, they <laughs> and in investigating this, like uh, the the main guy kind of catches on that they're like you know they're looking for something, so they uh, steal the girl out of the motel, and like Tom Atkinson comes back and is like where is she? And then more of the business guys are around, and so he has to like run away from them, and he finds himself in the factory again. And uh, when he's attacked by a robot guy, he, like, punches through the dude, and then it's just, like, yellow goop. So, like, this guy wasn't a real human. Like, all the business guys are robots. <laughs> and uh, and then uh, the uh, the uh, main guy, uh, I think his name is Mr. Corcoran, the Irish dude, um, of course has to explain everything to Tom Atkinson, like what's going on. He's like, this is my plan, because that's what all bad guys do. You know, just they want to give you a chance to escape and tell the world uh, what's going to happen. So uh, they, uh, he takes them to like the secret chamber where they're like doing the final like process, like on all the masks. And um, uh, there's a group of guys, like science guys, like in a circle of TVs working on like the commercials. And, uh, <laughs> Other people uh, shaving bits of Stonehenge off. They stole Stonehenge. <laughs> and that's what the magical bits and, like, the discs on the mask are. And so, like, when kids wearing the mask watch this commercial on Halloween night, uh, their faces are going to melt into snakes and worms. <laughs> and we see that example from another family that was visiting uh, the company. So, uh... Tom Atkinson cannot find his girlfriend. He's, like, locked away in a room, and, his, like, they leave him, like, with a mask on to, like, have his face into snakes and worms, and then, like, he escapes, uh, gets his girlfriend, and then he has this, like, plan where, like, he starts the commercials early, like, when they sneak to that room, and then he shakes, like, the bits of, like, the, the silver chip things, and then there's, like, this ring of, like, whatever, from Stonehenge, reacting with the commercials, and then everybody's, like, dying, and then the Mr. Corcoran, like, sees him and what he did and just gives him a slow clap, like, good job. <laughs> and so the whole place catches on fire, the Silver Shamrock Factory, uh, Tom Atkinson and his lady leave, and it seems like everything's fine, you know, they just, like, saved the world. But they didn't, because she's not his girlfriend anymore. She was turned into a robot and tries to kill him, and then he crashes his car into a tree, and then he, like, runs to a gas station and tries to call NBC and CBS, be like, don't play this commercial. And you don't find out if he succeeds. So... <laughs> um... <laughs> That has nothing to do with Michael Myers, uh, who <laughs> stalks his entire family until they're dead. <laughs> but I was like, what the fuck? Like, sorry, I don't know if I can curse on um, this podcast, but like, seriously, like, what, like, what, what connection could there possibly be? Um, and then I was like, well, Michael Myers, like, where's the mask? Oh my god, the mask is the freaking connection here. Like, that's like, that's the only thing. So it's like, they, they, like, use that inspiration to, like, go somewhere else because I guess Michael Myers can't, like, you know, 
keep on not dying forever, but they go back to him like four. But so instead of having a mass killer, you have mask killers. (laughs) (laughs) And when I realized that, I felt like my brain melted into snakes and worms. (laughs) Thank you very much. Do you do you still have a working VHS player that you watch that? Uh, VCR, yes, I do. Oh, VCR, that's what they're called. I don't even. God, that's amazing. Oh my god, we have one more storyteller this half, guys. Uh, he is uh, formerly of the wonderful band The Shock Tees, currently a best-selling horror novelist uh, off the book Dark Satellites. This is Tyler Patterson. Woo! You're welcome. Thank you very much. Um, this is a. I didn't prepare anything because this is a story that I tell a lot because people love to hear about the real life relationship I have with the paranormal. Uh, I'm currently working on a book that'll probably never be out called My Haunted History, which documents all the times that my family has been plagued with these weird, like, supernatural events. Uh, this is one of those times. It happened when I was in between my junior and senior year of college. Uh, it was 2005. I was the assistant director of a rec hall in Maine which was so sparse that we had to make the fun for the kids as best we could. We had no budget. We had like pretty much nothing. So there was like pool tables on slants. There were broken ping pong tables. It was uh, not the best place for kids to like really express themselves and have fun. But we'd go outside. We'd play capture the flag. We'd play indoors when it was raining. But there was one day where it got particularly rainy. And so they were getting bored. And when kids get bored, it gets terrifying. Uh, Just because boredom spreads and... They need to be entertained. That's why they're here. That's why I have this job. So I sat down and me and my infinite wisdom decided to start telling them ghost stories, real ones too, which is what you should do to kids who are eight years old to about 14 years old and then send them home to their parents without telling the parents that I did that. (laughs) Whoops. Uh, But during the course of the story, uh, I hit on a story that involves a Ouija board. And my family's had some weird interactions with Ouija boards that we have on film. We have actual pictures and stuff from it. And uh, as that story's going on, a little girl from the group goes, oh, I have a Ouija board at my house and my cabin. And all the kids are like, no, bring it in tomorrow, tomorrow. Bring it in, bring it in, bring it in. And immediately I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not going to bring in a Ouija board. We're not going to play with this stuff. This stuff is, you know, I'm just telling you these stories to pass the time. It's not real. Oh, but you said it was real. You said this happened. I know what I know I did, but this isn't something that we should do here. And uh, one of the little kids came up to me and tugged me on the shirt and said, can we please bring it in? I really want to talk to my grandfather. He died last year. That was my exact reaction, too. (laughs) How can you say no to that? And so I was like, all right, I have to somehow stay in control of this. And so I said, all right, bring it in. And we're going to prove that this doesn't work, that this is just a happy place where only happy things happen. (laughs) Right? This sounds like a setup for a horror movie. (laughs) Uh, So she brings in the Ouija board. And I say, all right, here's what we're going to do. All the kids, like, gather around this one table. And I'm going to do the Ouija with the girl that brought it in because I make up some BS about how Ouija boards only work best with a male and female energy. You know, it sounded cool at the time, and they were just like, yeah, yeah, I've I've heard that. Uh, So so I sit down, and the girl who's sitting across from me is probably about nine or ten years old. Very, very young, very 
always plays by the rules, has never broken a rule. So I know she's, for lack of a better term, trustworthy. <laughs> uh, and I tell them that we're both going to put our hands on the planchet and we're going to close our eyes and look down so our subconscious can't move our hands around to any letters or anything like that. I tell everyone else, I give one of the kids, I'm like, Bobby, you write down any letter that it stops on. If it stops on yes, no, you write it down. Everyone else, do not make any noise. Because if you make noise, it's going to ruin everything. I didn't tell them why, but they were just like, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> so we sit down, uh, and now it's like a bright sunny day. Yes, the day before was all rainy and nasty, and it's a beautiful sunny day outside, but they all want to stay inside and do this. And so I figured, let's just get this over with and then get them outside. Get them hopped up on sugar and then kick them back to their parents. Um, so I put my hands on the planchet and I close my eyes and put my head down. I kind of peek up and the girl across from me is doing the exact same thing. And so I start asking the basic questions, you know, is there anybody here? It kind of moves around a little bit and I can hear the other kids who are watching just kind of being like, oh, ooh. and I'm like, no, guys, shh, nope, no noise, no noise. And I'm like, is there anyone that wants to talk? What is that smell? And I was just like, oh, it was Andy. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, no talking. <laughs> um, but I'm just kind of being goofy like that. Um, then I actually feel it start to move. And I think that the girl across from me is doing it. But I keep my eyes closed. and I get a very distinct flash in my head of an image, not unlike the image from the ring where the girl is standing on a cliff and then jumps off. That's the image that pops immediately into my head. And I can feel my blood run cold. And... I hear the kids start to make this weird noise too, like not like a excited weird, but like, oh, something's happening weird. And so I start saying, is there something you'd like to tell us? And it's kind of the plant is kind of moving and kind of stopping, kind of moving around this way. And then it would circle and then pop off the edge of the board. And I kind of pick it up and reset it. It would start moving and then it would pop off the edge of the board again. So I'd reset it. And I felt like I might be asking the wrong questions. And so I said, is there something you need to tell me? But after that, I said, is there something you need to do? And that's when it really started moving. Started moving over here, started moving this way. And you can see, like, look at all the hair in my arm sitting up. It still freaks me out to this day. And I hear uh, Bobby writing down all the letters that it's stopping on. And all of a sudden, it moves again and then very quickly just pops off the edge of the board and then the feeling lifts. It's like the first day of spring when you open up a window and you kind of get that thick spring air after a winter of stale air. It just kind of feels like that, like whew, it's gone. And so I was like, all right, let's see, uh, let's see the paper. Take a look at the paper and it's just random letters. doesn't make any sense. It's like an O, an L, a D, uh, just like old something, something and it ends in the number two. And I was like, this doesn't. So I was like, see, guys, this doesn't make sense. And some of the kids are trying to decode it. They're like, oh, maybe it's a code. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's that. And they decided that it stood for old school dudes somehow. <laughs> so the majority of them, the majority of them went off and they were like, all right, we're the old school dudes. Let's go outside. I call old school dudes. Uh, and that's how they, they started playing. But there was one of the kids, the kind of more shy, quiet kid, grabs a piece of paper and starts saying the letters phonetically. And when he did that, I stopped and said, wait, say that again. Why, why are you saying that? And he said it again, and I realized that if you said the letters phonetically, it kind of loosely sounded like a Spanish phrase. The phrase, hoy es el día que juego dio, salto, which means today is the day I play God, I jump. I still have that paper. Yeah, I still have that paper. And to this day, every time I see that girl, 
that we did the Ouija experiment with, she comes up to me and she goes, that girl was sad. To this day, we can never really have a full conversation because of that. Thank you. So Jim used to be in a Metallica cover band called Black. Oh, they're doing this again, huh? Yeah, people need to know. So this is a, this is a song Jim has some familiarity with. Um, hope you guys like metal. No pressure now. No pressure. Sad 
Stories is a proud part of the Chicago Podcast Co-op. If you enjoy your stories, you might also like Alka Hollywood. Clint, Jared, and a guest talk about one movie each week, old or new, good or bad, and create a custom cocktail and drinking game around that movie. For more information, go to alkahollywood.com. This has been a Nerdalogs production. If you'd like to help make more things like this, please visit patreon.com slash nerdalogs to donate today, and go to www.nerdalogs.com for more cool stuff. Thanks for being awesome! Thank you all, thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.